Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 103, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from the ACHA and AAU college hockey off-seasons. Another week, more schedules being released. We keep talking about it. July, it's tough. There's not really much news. Should be a pretty brief episode here, but we want to check in with you guys here. So I need new skates so bad. I'm at the point where I haven't sharpened my skates since the season ended. Only tape my stick once or twice. I've got skate laces that are just going to rip. One of these days, I'm going to lace them up and it's going to rip. And I'm going to be like, this is my fault. I knew they were going to rip for the last two months. But my skates are banged up. I needed a fresh pair too to to get me through the rest of my hockey career. So Collins, speaking of, of hockey careers, you looked insane ripping the lacrosse ball in the stx warehouse the other day so uh how, how's your week it's been good not much going on it's the dog days at stx right now as well tournament season is over hopefully depending on how well you know work at home goes tomorrow and how how well school work goes tomorrow as well i'm gonna try to get on the ice for the first time this summer i'm just really looking forward to this weekend Hopefully, shout out Kate Dever, social media extraordinaire and goalie for USC women's lacrosse for getting me a, a media pass to um, shoot AU Pro Lax, which is the the women's league. I'll be making my professional debut. Hopefully. Love it. Well, I uh, ventured down to Atlantic City this weekend. That was my big journey. First time in a casino since Herm and I went looking for late night food back in St. Louis at Nationals in 2022. Feels like so long ago at this point. In a fitting tribute to my career at Syracuse Hockey, I finished the night minus 40. I I got down early and just quit while I was down there. I wasn't going to dig myself a bigger hole. Ended up just enjoying the night with my, my friends and getting to experience that. Quite the cast of characters down down in AC. Got to hang out on the shore for a little bit, hang out with the Barone family, which is always nice. And looking forward to another weekend, getting to see some Syracuse guys here, but getting through the internship, only a couple more weeks left of that. So exciting time though. I think before recording this, and but we all just had a meeting kind of talking about the future of the Hockey House pod and what we have planned for next season. And we're going to keep it under wrap for now, but very, very productive meeting, very exciting meeting. And we're excited to share with you soon. You guys will know what we're up to, but we'll keep it under wraps for now. No real lead this week in the offseason. I was just scrolling through Instagram because usually when we don't have a lead, I can at least go back and look at what we posted this week. Nothing too crazy. I mean, just kind of more offseason content. I did want to give a shout out to my friend and former roommate, Syracuse Hockey Netminder, Nicholas Manusos. He got the win for Team Greece in the development series against Lebanon. It was the Greek heritage team. So what they did is They took players from the U.S. and Canada with Greek heritage, and they faced off against Lebanon. And I believe the Lebanese team was all guys of Lebanese heritage. I don't know if they had players who had been born there, but the exhibition was up in Montreal. I believe Lebanon won 10-4 on Friday night. Manusos then took over the Instagram story, got the win a 10-9 barn burner, and then Lebanon took game three of the series to win it. We've got some pretty, if you look into it, I think we have some pretty good stats when guys take over our Instagram story. I think we're officially 3-0 and because we had Laker Aldridge take over the story. Then USA won their first game like 11-0 against Sweden at the World Cup of University Hockey. Noah DeCotney took over from Adrian when he was playing for Canada. He didn't suit up that day. But Canada ended up winning, and now we have Manuso. So 3-0, and if you're interested in taking over the Hockey House story, 
give us a buzz. We, we'd love to keep the keep the record going. 4-0, actually, the time I took over at the Buffalo Meltdown, we beat Western Michigan 5-1. True, very true. The first takeover. It wasn't an international takeover. The other three have been internationals. Really cool stats. So shout out to Nick for doing that. He said it was a, a wonderful time. He said it was so cool. Just like the noise the crowd would make. They're waving the grease flags. And when they scored, the place would go nuts. And... 10-9, what a hockey game that must have been. And so really cool moment for all those guys. Wanted to give a shout out to all the guys representing the ACHA. There was four former ACHA players, one current ACHA player. Hats off to those guys. Seems like it was a really fun weekend. We're going to have even more ACHA guys playing for Team Greece later on in the summer in August when it is the Amerigal Cup down in Florida. So exciting times. But moving on, we had some other news. We we talked about it a little bit earlier today, but Appalachian State is going to celebrate 25 years of hockey. We mentioned a couple episodes ago, Cincinnati celebrating their 50th season coming up. So some big milestones for some programs. App State taking a little bit of inspiration from the Islanders 25th anniversary logo. So we noticed that, but it looks really cool. They announced that they're going to maybe have a throwback look later on in the season. So we'll have to keep our ears peeled for that one. Eyes peeled, not ears peeled. We want we want to see the jerseys. We want to listen to them. Oh, Herm added this one of the notes. This is really interesting. Liberty is on target to break their season ticket sales record again in 2023-24. In an interview with Kirk Handy, who is the Flames head coach and the club sports athletic director, Handy said, we are projecting this to be one of the best years yet for season ticket sales who noted that of all 10 skyboxes that they have, there's a wait list forming. Last year was a record-breaking year, and we were feeling very good about breaking those records again this year. Credit to our marketing team and players who do a wonderful job promoting the team and Liberty around the city of Lynchburg. People want to see a winner, and the Flames made it to the, the Frozen Four of the ACHA National Championships, and the people are excited in Lynchburg. It, it could finally be the year they bring home the Murdoch Cup, and fans want to see it. So hopefully maybe they can save uh, us a box. That would be a time if we got the Hockey House crew in a box at LaHaye for a game. That, that'd be awesome. Kirk Handy, if you're listening to this, maybe save us a box for one of these games, or get us on the waiting list, better yet. In some of the schedules that got released, we've got some pretty cool matchups. We're going to see a women's one title match in early October, Liberty versus Minot State. ACC hockey has quite the realignment. There's 63 teams total in the ACC. They have a men's division two premier, which is adding Delaware, Maryland, and Ryder. Men's Division II Elite has Stevenson joining, and then there's three new members joining Men's Division Three Premier. There's Men's Division Three Elite, and then Women's Division Two is going to have James Madison. The interesting thing about the ACC is they have the ACHA and AAU college hockey, which is interesting. They have leagues on either side of the club hockey world. So be sure to check that out on social media. We've got a great interview on hand for this week. Two boys from Minot State joining us. We have the captain, Davis Sheldon, and then assistant captain, Drew Carter. Drew Carter was also on the Team Canada team that won the silver medal at the World Cup of University Hockey. He's quite the jokester himself. Got a little FaceTime on that Team Canada Instagram story takeover. So wanted to get these guys on the pod defending ACHA national champions back-to-back weeks that we get national champions on the podcast. So very excited for this interview. As always, this one is presented by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports designs and creates websites for college hockey teams around the country, ACHA and AAU. They have you covered. They recently teamed up with Jog. They're launching team stores to help you sell jerseys, apparel, merchandise, 
You could already sell tickets through this. You can get donations, but now they're teaming up with Jog. If you want to learn more, head to optimexports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. Use that link. Check it out. I mean, we've been playing around with it. We're going to get our website up and going soon and hopefully get a store going as well. But unbelievable things going. Hopefully get some jerseys on demand here real soon. And as always, Optimex, they know what they're talking about. They played club hockey, friend of the podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send us a DM too. But they're, they're doing a really great job here. Without further ado, we'll turn it over to the interview with the boys from Minot State. We're pleased to be joined by two members of the Minot State Beavers. We'll start things off with two-time ACHA national champion, the captain of Team Canada at the World Cup of University Hockey, graduate for assistant captain number 97, Drew Carter. Drew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Is that like the best intro you've ever been given? Like that, yeah, that's got to be pretty. That's, that's usually the best intro I've ever been given. All right. Well, we're, we're happy to have you and joining you, your teammate, another two-time ACHA national champion, member of Team Canada at the World Cup of University Hockey, graduate defenseman and Minot State captain number 78, Davis Sheldon. Davis, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. We're psyched to have you guys on. First and foremost, congratulations on winning the national championship. We had the Liberty women on last week, and I'm like, I can't believe like we took this long to get you guys on here. Arguably the greatest title in all of collegiate hockey, the Murdoch Cup. Drew, I'll throw it over to you. Like, how has retirement been? Like, you guys, five years at Minot, you guys both went to Romania and played. You went out on a high note. What are you guys up to now? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Retirement's been rough. I'm already uh, starting to miss the game. I've been seeing clips of like NHL players in practice and stuff, and I'm just itching to get back. But obviously, career's over. 26 years old it's time to turn the page that's how it's going davis you picking up any hobbies these days right now i'm trying to get better at golf needless to say the golf game is winning and i'm losing there we go well congratulations we'll dive into all things minot we'll talk about the canada stuff too drew like walk us through your background where you grew up maybe how you got into hockey and maybe a little bit about your path to junior hockey i'm Kelowna, born and raised got into hockey my dad basically just threw me on skates and hoped I figured it out. Played a lot growing up around the Kelowna area and then eventually went to Okanagan Hockey Academy and played there. It was a pretty cool experience getting to learn how to basically be a pro at like 15, 16 years old. Played junior hockey in the KIJHL for the Princeton Posse. Um, had lots of fun out there. Great experience. Pretty uh, unique league. There's lots of goons running around trying to hurt you at all times. And uh, that was a bit of a learning lesson. But Drew, I we of course had to check elite prospects to see what you were all about. Is EP correct in that you played for four different teams in a span of four years in the KJIHL? Oh man, there there wasn't a team that wanted me. I was getting dealt all around, and that was all in my uh, pretty much all in my freshman year. I actually got traded for myself once. I got traded for my roommate that I was living with as futures. I got all kinds of wild stories from there. Looking back on your junior career, like what's your what's your go to story? Like you mentioned, you spent a lot of time in Princeton. What's what's a memory from there that you have? I don't know about any individual story. Princeton's just a really cool place to play. Like it's a town of, it's a really small town, about 2000 people. You can pretty much go on the ice whenever you want. The boys are always hanging out. Like for such a small town, the rink is terrible, but the dressing room is almost better than what we have in Minot. Like it's crazy in there. There's They've got a lounge with ping pong tables, anything you want. Like it's crazy. 
Awesome stuff. And Davis, you're also from, you know, Western Canada. Walk us through your career growing up, how you got into hockey and, and the junior hockey route. Yeah, so I'm from a small town, Nanton, Alberta. Nobody knows where that is, but about 45 minutes south of Calgary, Alberta. I was kind of the same as Drew. My dad bought me my first pair of skates when I was three or four, put me in them, and I'd run around the yard in them, try and get used to them. And then I played Nanton minor hockey until I was peewee maybe Bantam, and I moved up to the AA league that we have here in Alberta, and I was still based out of Nanton and surrounding area. And then my grade 12 year, fortunate to go and move to Strathmore, Alberta, where I played for the AAA team and went to school there. Uh, we actually won the Alberta League, the BC League, went to TELUS Cup. After that, I was actually going to go to the KI and I was going to join Drew. I went to a junior B camp and the Calgary Mustangs of the AJHL saw me. And so I signed with them, went to them for a year and a bit. And while we were there, did the opposite of one. And we actually set a new record for the most losses in a single season. I got traded to Fort McMurray, traded back to Calgary, the other Calgary team, the Canucks. It just didn't pan out, seeing I used to be the rival. And so I actually quit hockey. I was just going to, I don't even know what I was going to do work, I guess, for the rest of my life until I had some buddies who talked me into playing junior B in High River, Alberta. So I played junior B for a year and not like a full season plus nine games. As my parents were on a Vegas trip, I actually got the letter of intent from Minot State, signed it, committed. And when I got back, told my parents that I was going to play college hockey. There was zero excitement really, except for asking how we're going to afford to go to school in the United States. Uh, hadn't thought that far ahead. We figured it out, and then I got to spend five of my best years there. That's an unreal journey. Yeah, I mean, looking at looking at the EP right here, that 16-17 season, you were all over the place, but glad you stuck it out because it's crazy to think you're five years in Minot. You know, that wouldn't have happened if you didn't have the buddies who, who got you to High River. So talk about Calgary. Like, what was that like? You mentioned being on one of the, one of the worst teams in the AJ. Like, were there, was there tough bag skates? Like, what did you have to go through during that year? Yeah, so there actually wasn't any tough bag skates which was probably why we were losing so much. There wasn't a whole lot of consequence, I guess you could say. But instead of when you got outside of the rink, it was a lot of fun. They definitely knew how to party. Davis mentioned like finding out about Minot State. How did you get on their radar? And, you know, had you always considered going down to the States to play college hockey? I didn't get recruited at all, if you can believe that. I, I was spam emailing teams. I knew I wanted to go playing the ACHA. Um, I didn't know about where. Any team that I would email, I'd look up like what the tuition costs and mine was the cheapest. So that's the place I wanted to go. I got a couple emails back and that's where I ended up. Can you tell us some of those schools? Like were they like, was it like Minot, you married Dakota? Like was it schools out there or was it all over the place? No, I was looking all over the place. Like actually my dream was to go to ASU just because probably a fun experience to go out there. It's a little different than Minot, North Dakota. Uh, it's a little out of my price range. So ended up in Minot, North Dakota. I love joking that like you just you look up and down the Minot roster and it's all kids from Western Canada. The, the pipeline of kids playing junior hockey in Western Canada and going to Minot. Let's go to your freshman year. Davis, like what's what's a welcome to the ACHA moment? from your freshman year that that stood out to you hockey wise it's probably always a dream for people to play collegiate hockey and when you actually get to Minot it kind of feels like you know people say it's the ACHA but it feels a lot bigger than that especially for us you know we have the Pepsi arena and we have a thousand to two thousand fans every game when you first you know get to actually play there as a freshman I think me and Drew were actually scratched together the first game in Colorado ever but outside of that we have a thing called uh kegs and eggs that's at the start of every every school year basically 15 dollars or 20 dollars all you can drink 
And so that was in the first month of us going to school there. There's the kegs and eggs, and then there's a football game, parties everywhere. Needless to say, I didn't make it to a football game or a party until 2 a.m. Woke up fully clothed in my bed. That kind of set the tone for the next five years, I would have to say. The Minot just brings out uh, the best or the worst in you, depending on how you look at it, I suppose. Yeah, that, that must be why they call it the Magic City. Drew, what about you? Like, what's what's a moment from your freshman year that was your welcome to the ACHA story? First of all, kegs and eggs is the best life-changing experience. But I remember first practices, and like, I don't skate much in the summer, honestly. It's hard to find ice. Like, either I'm playing with NHL players or I'm playing with midget kids. So I don't skate much in the summer, and I showed up. The first skate, our coach... This drill is literally just teeing up forwards to get murdered. So he basically D-man and a forward line up on the blue line and he dumps it in and the forwards get a head start and you just get crushed. I was 20 and I was probably 160 pounds and I'm just getting crushed by this 25, 26 year old. And that's my welcome moment. That's when I knew I was playing college hockey against grown men. I'll add to that. One of the most famous drills in Minot history. We have our forward and D one time drill. When we first got there, we didn't get sticks. We weren't supplied any sticks. So most guys bring, I don't know, they brought six to 12, hoping that it would last them the entire season. In the first, I don't know, week or two, we did this one-timer drill. I don't know how many times. So you'd line up on the blue line and you just back out for one time and our coach would feed you shot after shot. There's 25 guys taking one-timer after one-timer. And I'm, I think everybody that brought sticks broke two or three sticks like instantly. I had to phone my dad and be like, I might... I might need more sticks. We're, all we do is take slap shots and we don't get any sticks. So heads up. Yeah, we also have the uh, Wader Gear world famous bar down drill. <laughs> this is just a classic. It doesn't even, I can't comprehend that I did this as an adult, but there was a game, I forget what game it was, but struggled to score. Goalie stood on his head. Classic Minot State performance. That's basically what happens everywhere we go. We come back and we do this drill and it's, literally skating in a straight line two teams and you shoot on an empty net it's a relay race and you're going until you go bar down on the net <laughs> and you have to keep chasing down the puck like i didn't know where i was i felt like i was in peewee trying to raise the puck over like an object i couldn't believe it but yeah that's a classic and forever in our in our memories that feels like you know like when i'm running a summer clinic and like I run out of drills and there's eight minutes left on the clock and it's like, all right, what are we going to do? Oh, let's do the bar down drill. Let's see who can go bar down first. Like that's awesome. Yeah. It, it's a nightmare when you miss though, and you're chasing it out of the rink, but. So are you work. collecting the puck and then passing it to the next guy in line? No, like you repeatedly shoot it into the net until you go bar down. And if you miss the net, you got to go chase it down. So oh, like, so it's not, a, it's not a relay. Like you're by yourself out there. It's you're, you're shooting yeah, yeah. until so you hit it. So you go until you get it, and then you have to grab the puck and pass it back to your line and go back, and then the next guy does it. And it's just repeated how, until everyone how, goes how long, how long does this drill take? Longer than you think. You start on one goal line, both teams, and you skate the entire length of the ice to the next goal line, where their net is, and you go bar down. And the drill goes until every player has gone bar down. And once you go bar down, you bring it all the way back and give it to the next guy. That's unreal. I mean, we're 16 minutes in, and we've already hit three drills. So for the coaches listening update the practice plans the, the mine out boys got you ready to go keep talking about freshman year like was there were there things that stood out to you guys like were you supposed to be as good as you guys end up being i was trying to do a little bit of research it said there was like a big senior class before you guys came in like what were the the expectations for that year drew you can start us off believe it or not we actually were like pretty hated so before 
like me and Davis came as freshmen. Um, the team was ranked first all the time. Basically, they were winning a lot of games and we started out struggling. The story I have is we came into that Utah game and this was my first game ever. So I got scratched the first night and the team won like 8-1, 10-1 against Utah. And I don't even think they were ranked, maybe like 60th. No offense, but they were bad. And then I come in the second game. I think it was alumni night. So they, we've got like 50 alumni in the crowd all came in to watch this game. All the boys are like so hyped up and we end up losing like 2-1. It was an absolute nightmare. And you go on Facebook after and there's old guys and alumni just chirping us so hard, basically. We were pretty hated. And after that game, I remember coming into the dressing room and our coach is like, he's like, boys, I want you guys to all get really drunk together. No girls. And we're like, okay, I know how to do that. So that's a pretty funny little story. And it actually worked, I think. So it, that brought our team together. And then after that, we were pretty on fire. You're like, yeah, uh, no problem, coach. We don't know any girls yet. Dr Davis, talk about like the national tournament. Like what a cool spot going down to Texas. Like had you ever been there for hockey before? I mean, it's kind of crazy being a kid from Canada and now you're playing in the national tournament right outside Dallas. I'd never really been anywhere in the States except for Vegas and Disneyland, maybe Whitefish. Yeah, it was cool. It was a really, really cool place to be. It was That's warm. I mean, it was, it was sweet. Like it was in a Dallas Stars practice arena, I think, or the right next to them. It was just like a really well put together tournament. It was it was just a lot of fun to be at. I mean, we would walk to the rink every day in, in our sandals, basically, and had a blast doing it. We went into the final game and we were playing Iowa. And before the game, the Iowa team had packed their room with liquor. Like there was booze everywhere. And there was and after the game, they threw it all in the garbage in the boxes and everything still. And the coach was like so mad at them. And he dug all the booze out and he brought it to our locker room. And so we drank all of the booze they were supposed to drink when they won. We beat them. So we got all the booze. I knew their captain really well. I actually played junior with him in a Soyuz. That's where I first signed. And he came over to me after the game. He's like, hey, man, we brought a lot of booze. We're just going <laughs> to hand it over to you guys because you won. So he was a great guy about that. That is an all-time hockey story. So did the coach like not know that guys were guys just like stashing bottles in the stalls and being like, oh, like when we win, like this will be cool. And then he found out about it after the fact and made it, made him cough it all up. Yeah, they were locked and loaded with champagne. Like they were, they were ready to go. They thought they had it in the bag, I think. I don't know. I'd have to ask them, but I'm pretty certain that's the case. I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a story for you guys. You get the job done. What was, what's that like? I've never won an ACHA national championship, but like, do you just like go back to the hotel and you guys have a fun night in the hotel? Did you guys try to go out in Dallas? Like, how did that work? We had a lot of family, like almost everybody's family came. We went back to our hotel and then the bus actually took us to our parents' hotel. They had a courtyard. They gave us the lobby basically. For a lot of the night, we sat around just drinking with the with our families, smoking cigars with our families, drinking out of the trophy. It got to the point, I think we had to leave at like 5 a.m. You had to be on the bus at 5 a.m to go to the airport. And so I don't know what time it was, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. We all decided to make our way back to our hotel where we went into each other's rooms and kept partying instead of going to bed, of course. After that, it kind of took a blur for me. All I remember is walking into my room and there was a bunch of people in there. One of the guys, I'll say his name because it's funny. We call him Wowie. I'll say that. He was trying to danger can a beer in the shower, but the beer wouldn't explode. And I watched him hit his head with this beer as hard as he could 15 times. 
And all it did was bruise his forehead and dent the beer. I don't really even remember the next day in the airport. It was all kind of a blur. I, I just imagine that the hockey dads are just so pumped in the hotel lobby. When you're when you're talking about like going meeting up with the parents, like I'm sure there's nothing. Like your dads must have been so proud. The cigars, the beers in the lobby. Like Drew, what what do you remember from that night? Yeah, for the for the parents, it's huge, right? Like that's kind of a culmination of all their years of sacrifice and stuff waking you up for morning practice getting you to the rink and finally shows fruition first time i won anything my whole life damn near but i'm really happy that we got to spend it with them lots of teams probably would have gone to the club but spending it with your parents is a pretty cool experience and then when we get back to minot all the breaks are off and you can do whatever you want basically every bar has free beer waiting for you that's unbelievable. Did you guys uh, go back on Facebook and reply to some of those alumni comments with a picture of you guys with the Murdoch Cup? Actually, funny story. So one of the guys who had like one of the most ruthless comments, I forget his name, but he's an old alumni and he comes up to the bar our first night back. We get back and there's just pitchers all over a table. The table's waiting for us. We have more beer than we could ever drink, but somehow we drank it. He ended up handing a guy a hundred bucks on our team. He's like, hey man, I'm sorry. You guys did it. Wow, that's unbelievable. Class act right there. Yeah, I mean, that must have been awesome. We had Tyson Brower on, and uh, you guys faced him a ton. He was at Jamestown forever. It feels like you guys were at Minot forever. But he talked about that outdoor game in Jamestown. What do you guys remember from the, the 2020 game that was basically in a blizzard? I think it went, what, 13 rounds in the shootout? Like, what do you remember? I just, I remember watching footage of the game and like your helmets are just covered in snow. It, it looked like the most fun thing, but also the most miserable thing at the same time. Davis, I'll, I'll throw it over to you to start. What do you remember from that game? Yeah, going into it, we were pumped. You don't really get to play in that type of game ever unless you're in the big leagues, really. As we were going there, the weather kind of started to take a turn, and we heard news that it was like hockey day in North Dakota, and every other game had been canceled except ours because the coach of Jamestown didn't want to cancel it. So we make our way out there, and it's it's all good and well, and then it really starts to snow, like it starts blizzarding, and soon there's two inches of snow on the ice. And I mean, Jamestown's first goal, I was on the ice, and there was literally five guys from each team standing in a circle, waving their sticks uncontrollably, not knowing where the puck was. And one of the Jamestown guys smacked the puck and it went in our net on like to five hole of our goalie. And like nobody knew where the puck was. Even the guy that hit it finally had to register that he hit something solid. And then the puck was in the net. Halfway through the game, part of the ice started melting. The plant wasn't working. And so one of the corners, like you could see the cement. And then, I mean, by the end of the game, I was batting the puck on my stick or trying to because I couldn't control it in the snow. There was so much snow. I was like, just try and keep it out of the snow, I guess. Yeah, we went 13 rounds. And by that time, it was like freezing cold. All the guys had numb fingers. You couldn't feel anything. They wanted to keep going. Drew, is that like a hockey memory that you're you're going to always remember? I, I can only imagine how cold the fingers are during that. What an experience that was. It was <laughs> it was so cool. Like warm up, I felt like the biggest hero of all time skating around out there, outdoor rink. They had the crowd going and everything. But once there was a foot of snow on the ice, oh my God. It was absolute hell. Like there we had one guy in the shootout who tried to push the puck forward and just instantly lost it and basically just turned back to the bench and had enough. Like, I don't remember if we played overtime, but after the game, their coach wasn't even there. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. But their assistant coach calls the, calls the coach and is like, hey, should we should we keep going? What, what are we doing? And he's like, yeah, do a shootout. And you look out at the 
rink and there's no way anyone's even getting a shot off. All of us on the bench are like, what are we doing? This is a game of golf, not even hockey. It's ridiculous. At that point too, like in the ACHA, once you t- like get through regulation, right? It's like a tie for the, the rankings. We're all like, okay, well, all the players on the ice are like, let's be done here. And then, yeah, like Drew said, the assistant coach would call the head coach. It's done. We're tied. The rankings is tied. But they needed the pride of beating us, I guess. I don't know what it was, but he kept call. He phoned in from home. He's like, no, nope, we'll play overtime. And then after that, he phoned again. He's like, no, nope, we're going to go to the shootout. And then it went 13 rounds or whatever. And it was like, oh. And then we got snowed in. Yeah, I was just going to elaborate on the snowed in part. Back then, we weren't funded by the school. And we used to take these little, like, short buses to Jamestown because it's one of our closer trips so it's like a little I don't know just a little bus we, we would take two of them and our coaches would drive and after the game we have what's called the stagette after this and the stagette is basically the stagette is basically a bunch of women buy tables for this event and then what they do is they have us the players go up on stage and we do like a little dance pretty electric event actually shots are flying and whatever but our coach wants us, this is one of our biggest fundraisers at the time. We make like 40 grand a year off this stag at, like we auction off not only the boys, but there's also like different baskets and stuff like that, that you've seen it like tournaments throughout your life probably. So we're trying our da- darndest to get back for this, but there's a huge storm. Honestly, the biggest storm I've ever seen. Like while we're driving, you can't see five feet out the window and we're both from Canada. Like it's cold. We've seen storms before. And I remember in the van that I was in, I don't know if Davis was in the same one, but one of our older guys on our team is like, to our coach, we got to turn back. Like, we're not going to make it. We're going to get lost out here because he couldn't see anything. So we had to go back, stay the night in Jamestown after that whole outdoor game and nightmare. But we made it back for the stay get the next morning. Yeah, that's where uh, one of my stories was going to come in when I mentioned the stay get. Nobody was prepared for that. This is kind of where like, you know, you're saying like a club hockey story. Well, none of the guys brought their homework or anything. So I had a paper due the next day. But my plan was to be home and be able to wake up and write this paper before I had to go dance in front of all these mothers, basically. Now we get back with one hour until the stag at. And I have a paper due at midnight, but I have to go serve tables, do your routine on stage. It's a pretty long event, like four or five hours probably. As I'm serving my table, waiting to dance on stage, I'm in the back room trying to catch a buzz so I can dance in front of all these women. And I'm writing a five or six page paper. And like my academic advisor was there and my marketing teacher was there and they like come back there because they were helping organize it. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I have a paper due tomorrow. They're like, you didn't do this like well in advance. Like, no, I got stuck in a snowstorm. Now I'm trying to drink and dance in front of all you women. I don't know what you want me to do. It was a terrible paper. I probably failed it, but we got it done. Well, that's what I was going to bring up about the stag at. Just you wouldn't even believe it until you saw what happened there. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to dig up some footage of this. I, teams all the time are looking for ways to raise money in this league. And, and here you guys are you're killing it. And, and my not. Self-respect and morals leave the window at stag at, but we made some good money. All right. Sticking with sophomore year. I mean, was, was there anything, I feel like every time somebody comes on, like we talk about like, ah, uh, like we really thought we had it that year. Stinks nationals got canceled. COVID happens. Like where, where were you guys when, when you got the call? Like, Hey, there's no national tournament this year. I still remember that thing with the basketball player. I don't, I, I don't remember his name. I think he played for the Utah jazz when he was like doing the thing with yeah, the Ru- Rudy Gobert. 
yeah, yeah. And he was like licking the mic and stuff like that and then we come into the rink the next day and basically it's done like culture shock everyone says they thought they had a chance that year but we thought we had a good one um we had quite a few good players come back so yeah it was pretty devastating when that news broke i think the only game plan after that was like typical minot fashion go grab a 30 rack and let's drink it for quite a while we a bunch of guys just put on their skates and one guy ran and grabbed a 30 rack and we had the ice book because we were supposed to practice so we all slapped on our skates and put the case of beer on the bench and kind of had like a depressing fun time i guess because like drew said we definitely thought we had a chance but i guess uh COVID had other other plans for us you guys had a difficult time too with everything with like the border and everything like were you guys did you stick it out in minot for the summer no basically as soon as it shut down everything went online i went back home davis probably went back home full online classes that type of thing so and when you guys came back in the fall, because you guys were, I mean, handful of teams got to have a, you know, start in the fall and, and you guys were fortunate enough to go to nationals. Like, were there any crazy things that you guys had to deal with during this year? Because like being from New York, like I look at it, I'm like, oh, like my not like they're definitely not wearing masks or anything out in North Dakota. Like, what was that like? Do you guys have any funny stories from what you had to go through that year? I'm from BC, which is a very liberal province in Canada. And we were like, basically shut down like you couldn't go outside still and then school started back up again and I would go to North Dakota and they're like running live music events live sporting events it's just a totally different culture it's crazy we're packing a thousand people in our barn and back home you're not allowed to leave your house like just absolutely different in Alberta we're quite quite conservative I would say but for the longest time we got away with nothing we, we didn't do any like masks or anything like that. At one point it became completely mandatory, just like Drew in BC. And I remember going down, this is the height of it all. And I could get an exception to cross the border to get my goods that I deemed necessary for living, which wasn't, it was just my hockey equipment. But I drove 10 hours to the border, or I guess it was eight hours to the border. And I had this note that said, yeah, you could get through, but they wouldn't let me through. So I had to drive into the States and then back to the Canadian border. And because I did that, I had to quarantine for two weeks. After I got that, I tried again. And this time I got let in and it was so serious in Canada. And I get down to Minot and it's like, I, dro- I have to drive past the patio to get to where I was living. And the patio was packed. Nothing had changed there. And I'm like, it's just, this is so North Dakota. And then even when we had to move back, during, the school made it mandatory for masks. If you went anywhere else in town, there was... No such thing as a mask. For Christmas, I was trying to travel back to Minot and you needed a test within 48 hours, but not past 48 hours. And where I was in Canada, you had to pay a hundred bucks to do this test. And I was flying like it's an 18 hour drive. I take the first test and then I go to the airport. Finally, I'm sitting there waiting for the confirmation that, or I'm negative, sorry. And I'm sitting in the airport and then next thing I know, flight's canceled. So it's delayed till the next day. Now, all of a sudden that COVID test that I just paid a hundred bucks for isn't, isn't good enough. So I have to go back, do it again. I get a second COVID test, go back to the airport. I'm sitting there. I get my confirmation. I'm good to go canceled again. And then I go back and I see my dad and he's like, man, I don't think they're going to fly you out. Like, I think we're going to have to drive you. So my dad, my grandpa hopped in the vehicle, drove me basically 15 hours and Davis met me at the border picked me up and drove me the rest of the way. What wild times. And this is like early on in the hockey house pod history. So I remember at the time it was like, 
you know, because that was when the I feel like that was when like the Battle of Alberta was really big. That was when like you had the goalie fight going on that year. Like watching Jamestown Minot, you guys played each other like 14 times. Or, like, I think you got actually played 11 times that year. Like the NHL has the Battle of Alberta, but the ACHA, we have Jamestown Minot State. And I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Carter Barley because he got into a really good scrap against Jamestown and you know how often in the ACHA do you get to go like one-on-one drop the gloves no helmet and he made the most of it what do you guys remember from that fight in particular but I'm sure there was a bunch of other scraps that year because you guys played Jamestown so much yeah it was absolute hell playing that team 11 times it sucks to play them the regular six to eight times because we just don't like them when we play them that was pretty bold of uh barley because we have a place in our ring called the splash zone and it's our student section he did it right in front of there and so it was it was a pretty packed house actually the refs tried to stop it and they both those guys shook the ref and then squared up and went toe to toe you know i felt like you were back in junior hockey a little bit and you hadn't seen it for a while so it definitely got everybody in that ring going that's for sure I want to talk about the splash zone because I feel like I've seen some pretty good pictures of this. The first one that comes to mind that I saw was you boys at the women's game dressed in the minion costumes. Were you boys a part of that? Oh yeah. I I'm behind a, one of the dashers, but you can see us. If you zoom in, we're right there. That's actually our homecoming. So usually like in our early years, there wasn't hockey games during it or wait, was that homecoming Davis? No, we played homecoming. Anyway, so I, I think there's a different picture from homecoming of you guys in Spider-Man costumes. <laughs> yeah, probably. We do a we, we try to do a theme every year that we uh, we dress up. Davis, you should tell the story about you sliding down the football game. Yeah, so that was my Spider-Man story. This was another we started off at Kegs and Eggs. After that, went to the football game. So we all convened at Drew's apartment. We had probably 20 Spider-Man, something like that. We had a good number of guys. So we all put on our Spider-Man costumes. It's cold, like freezing cold. And we go out and we're at the football game. And so everybody goes up to the beer gardens. It's me and two other Spider-Men. The bleachers are metal. There's like a good part in the game. So we're all standing up and we're cheering and we're cheering. I don't know how many rows I am up. I'm, you know, six, seven rows up, maybe five rows up. And I completely lose my balance. And I slide all the way down these wet stairs, all the way to the bottom of the stairs. And uh, I stand up. And the entire football stadium is looking at me. Thankfully, I had my mask on, so nobody knew it was me. It was a tough moment for my pride, that's for sure. That's the best thing about the Spider-Man costume is you're entirely anonymous. Like, we went to a girls game in the Spider-Man costume, and I'm fully vertical right up against glass. Like, it's it's awesome. I think the best part, too, is, and maybe this is an ACHA thing, maybe this is a Minot, North Dakota thing, but, like, I think about, like, if you're in the NCAA, like, there's probably rules about you going to other games and drinking. Like, I look at this photo of the Minions, and it's, like, a sea of blue and yellow because you got the Minion costumes, and then everybody's got a Bud Light in their hand, which is just awesome. It became a thing that people, like, wondered how we would do it because we were always drinking whenever there wasn't a, you know, whenever we weren't being serious about hockey or, or doing school, like, what were we doing as a team together? There's probably drinks involved. I remember being in the gym the one day and one of the guys was like, I don't like those hockey guys. Like, I don't know how they do it. They're like not real athletes. All they do is drink and party, but yet they win. I don't know how they do it. And he was like upset about it because I think, I don't know if it was a wrestler or what, but they don't really party as much because they got to maintain their weight and all that type of stuff. And yet here you have us on a Monday hung over from the day before, or maybe even Mimosa Sunday. 
and we're up there lifting our weights that we're supposed to, but we're hung over doing it. And everybody's like, these guys are just, I don't know how they do it. We'll, we'll come back to this. Like, are they real athletes or not? But let's finish up junior year, like national tournament at Maryville. They were the host team. I, I feel like it's a bummer. Like you guys had to watch you, Mary get to host their national tournament on home ice. And then you guys had to go all the way down to St. Louis and play at Maryville, which is a great barn. You guys make it to the national championship game for as much as you guys are at the top of the ACHA, like you guys don't get to play Adrian a whole lot. So like, what was that game? Like, what do you remember from that national tournament? Just the thought of that game uh, makes me mad. Actually, they, they deserve to win. I'm not going to discredit that they were the better team. That was actually, I think in my five years, the worst team that we had, we got lucky at nationals. Our goalie kind of carried us. That Adrian team was, I mean, trying to put it lightly here because we played with a lot of those guys in Canada and there were some pretty good guys, but that I've never been so disrespected in a game of hockey. So they, they were up like five, nothing. They score another one, whatever it was. I don't remember, but they had a guy come to the bench, like damn near jumping our bench. He was so excited that he scored. He's doing the Jersey pull, that whole thing. The next year we got him pretty good. We were all waiting for that one. I mean, like you said, you guys kind of went on a run. Like you beat Liberty in the semifinals too, which is crazy looking back on it. Like that happened again this year. I don't know. You guys are the underdogs in that tournament. You make it to the finals. What does this off season look like? Because I feel like this is kind of when Minot turned the corner. And this is what I'm going back to about being the real athletes. Like did the athletic department come in and are like, hey, like we're going to take the hockey teams under our wing here. We had a coaching change for sure that um, I don't want to discredit our other coach this might've been like a little more serious. Um, he, he really wanted to win. He wanted to prove that like, and he's still working. T- this is why it was Lemchuk. And he's still working towards creating a better program for my, even though I would just, arguably we have one of the best programs in the ACHA and he wanted to join the school so that we could have the best college experience on the athletic side that we could. What that came with was obviously more funding, which could get us, you know, the sticks that we needed, um, the equipment that we needed. And then we also joined the athletic program, which included their strength and conditioning coaches. And so there definitely became a lot more accountability. And he held us to a standard that even maybe some of the guys on our team didn't know that they had in them. I think that really stuttered us off, which is, you know, why when we went to nationals and got eliminated the first game, it was a shocker, not, you know, for everybody, but for us, like we had, you know, worked pretty hard compared to the last years, at least that me and Drew saw to not get the same results was shocking, but definitely him coming as a coach and aligning with the athletic um, group at the school was a big change in, in probably that turn that you saw. I mean, visually too, like you get the new jerseys that kind of match the athletic department, even though I'm a huge fan of like the beaver with the hockey stick, that's gotta be one of the best logos in, in all of college hockey. Would you guys agree? It's gotta be up there for sure. You guys, like you, you turn the corner, you mentioned the, the season ends sour. You go down to St. Louis and we don't even have to bring it up, but you go down to St. Louis again, classic Minot state run into a hot goalie. You get upset by Ohio who probably didn't have the best year, but then you look at them this past year nationals and it seems like they learned a lot from it. There were some highlights though. You guys went back to Jamestown for the outdoor game and maybe taking a little inspiration from the St. Louis blues. You guys showed up wearing the beach attire. Now is this, were you guys like following up in the footsteps of the blues? Whose idea was this? I think we had a vote on what we were going to do. It was, it was probably inspired by the St. Louis blues, to be honest, but we had a couple options in mind and that's what we ended up going with. Cause it was like, it was 
damn cold that day. It was probably minus 20 Celsius, whatever that is in Fahrenheit. So it was cold. So we wanted to make a statement. And you win that game, and I and that helps in the rankings because it doesn't go down in a tie. But, Davis, you also mentioned, too, that you had some pretty good memories from going down to Chicago, too. This was the first year that they did the Chicago Classic where, you know, arguably the best teams in the ACHA all meeting in Chicago to face off against each other in a showcase. None of the guys have been to Chicago, and so, of course, you get sightseeing time, and you can kind of leave the hotel and, like, and, and do what you please, right? You're adults. You're supposed to be responsible. And so we thought, well there's a small group of us and we thought let's just go for a beer and a bite to eat. And so we walk around and find this little place and have a beer. And then you keep walking and you're like, Oh, look at that cool little place. Like what's one more. So you have a beer there and then it kind of just, you don't know where the trends going here. It wound up at like, I don't know, two thirty, three 3 AM having wrestling matches in our hotel room. One of our teammates was just lying there with his eyes closed, rapping randomly. Never heard the guy sing little on rap in my life. He's rapping. We lost to Vegas the next day, and it was our first loss of the year. I don't think any of the boys were hurting by that point, but you know it's that guilty hockey and that guilty conscious that Chicago may not be on the bucket list from here on out. I got a confession. I was hurting really bad. I puked in the Denny's at our morning pregame. No one saw it, but I saw it, so there's that. I actually had a good game that night, though, surprisingly, because usually when I'm hungover, I'm entirely useless. Drew's line actually played really well. And we, what did we lose? Two to one. And I was I was able to sneak one past their tendies, so it made me feel a little better, but, you know, still guilty conscious. Yeah, because I was looking at the schedule. I'm like, who did they lose to last year? I see Vegas, and I'm like, oh, that's right, like the Chicago Classic. I'm like, wait, this wasn't even the championship game. Like, how did Minot not make it to the championship game of this thing? I guess, you know, that now now we know why. Chicago does. Chicago can do dangerous things to a bunch of boys from Western Canada. That's not an excuse. We still should have beat them. I like your thinking, Drew. Nothing like a little adversity in the morning to get you going, and you guys just weren't up for the challenge that day. Uh, I faced a lot of adversity personally. So another cool thing that you guys did in your senior year was you played at Liberty and you spoiled Star Wars weekend. Drew, walk us through that. Like, how nuts was that? Because I mean, you guys play in one of the coolest environments at, at you know Pepsi Arena. They play in a pretty similar size building, and they they rock the place. Yeah, Liberty is one of the coolest places you could go. I mean, they get way more attendance than most Div 1 teams. Obviously not the top-end D1 teams, but it's a crazy place to go. The parents enjoy it because they get to watch it on ESPN, whatever. And Star Wars Night, I mean, it's sweet. They had tough jerseys that year of all the of all the years, but they tried to go with C-3PO and it didn't really work for them. But Liberty is always a good game. I'm happy they, they came down and I'm happy we got to go to them because what an experience that is. I think it's it's good for the ACHA that they're independent now. I played, they were in our conference with in uh, on the East Coast in the Eshel for a little bit and they had won it a couple times. And then when COVID came around, they were like, yeah, we're going to go independent. And it makes it awesome because, you know, you guys get to play them a couple times a year or you guys go there, they go to you, makes for some good hockey games. Wrapping up senior year, I want to get your input. Like, did you guys have plans for the fifth year in Minot? What was that decision making like? And did it happen after the season? Or did you guys come to that conclusion before you you made it to St. Louis? I definitely, for myself, had no plans. But that loss just was so tough. That kept me up at night for weeks, honestly. I just couldn't go out like that for my career. So I had to come back. 
I didn't want to be an adult yet. I didn't want to give up the dream. It was kind of always in the play, I guess, for me a little bit. Took Drew a lot of convincing for a while. Me and my roommate last year, Connor Navarat, we kept feeding him booze and, and, and texting him constantly and just saying, hey, you're, you know, you're going to miss out. We're going to go do it. You're going to miss out. And he kept saying he wasn't going to do it. And the next thing you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I applied months ago. <laughs> so what's like the grad program looking like at Minot? Like, I, I can't imagine that the course load is too heavy for you guys. Did you guys have to like, did you add on classes to what you already had? Or did you guys switch up the majors? We actually, so we, we both got a master's, different programs, but some of our courses would overlap. And it's a year and a half, two year program, but we took it in one year. So we're both done now. That's that's what we call an academic weapon. You guys getting it done. Look at the hockey guys. I'm not going to say it was hard. Some of our classes was me, Davis, and Connor Navrot, who we mentioned earlier, sitting with two, three other students, just us dominating the conversation. That's awesome. Would love to be a fly in the wall in that classroom. Some highlights from, from senior year. I mean, pretty obvious that you guys were on a mission the whole time have a really tough schedule right off the jump. I want to hear about this you marry loss because you guys have played them. You play them a couple times a year. Now they're they're coming to the big boys. They're going to make the jump from D2 to D1. Like I said, you guys have already been playing them. They end up handing you guys your first loss. There's a controversial goal late in the third period. Drew, I'll throw it to you first. Like what what do you remember from this night? I feel is you marry and mine not is that a rivalry just amongst the schools like outside of hockey that is that a rivalry in sports? Yeah, it's about two years too late that you Mary is coming to D1. They dominated D3 for no reason. They should have been out. D2, D2. Or D2, sorry. That's my bad. That's our rival school. That's honestly like one of our biggest games of the year. I know it's their biggest game of the year for sure. Most of the time, they're not even trying to win the game. They're just trying not to lose by that much. They won't pull their goalie if they're down by one. We had some crazy games with them. Like Honestly, some of those games are awesome, but that loss was devastating they've got a packed barn it's actually a great program like i think they're going to be probably top 10 at least next year for sure it'll help that jamestown and minot will get to play them a lot more because they honestly kind of avoided us i felt like um the last couple years i guess it's a mean nothing game because it's an exhibition but that game was tough i don't think that call should have stood but is what it is davis walk us through it again what was it uh what didn't did you guys score late to tie it up but it was ruled a hand pass right yeah it was in the last i don't know how many seconds but it came up from behind the net and then found its way to i think it was joey moffitt's stick and he put it in and they ruled it a hand pass and it, it definitely wasn't i mean our coach was fired up he found it on twitter and zoomed in and posted it and it from anybody's eyes that i talked to it, it didn't touch anybody's hand for sure yeah it was pretty controversial um they must have gotten the call from Toronto too, because you watch the video and like you guys go down like the handshake line and, and you're lining up for the draw. And it's like, they must've gotten a phone call because there was really no reaction on the ice that made it look like it was a hand pass right away. No, there was no reaction. And I don't, none of the, you know, usually if there's a hand pass, you know, players are calling it hand pass and you see the motion, right? There is nothing. I, I think they left thinking they were lucky, but their heads were too big to think that probably, I don't know. Another big matchup that you guys had, you didn't get to face them. I don't think you, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you, no, yeah, you guys didn't see them in the national tournament, but you went down to Ohio. That's another barn that is pretty crazy. Kind of a tin can, tight corners and 
uh, a loud place to play. You guys got a split while you were down there. Drew, what do you remember from playing in Ohio? It's an old barn, but it's absolutely electric in there. I got to give credit where credit's due. That was a fun place to play. And I don't know if it was the first game or the second game, but one of the games was like 10-8. It was just crazy. There was goals all night. And we, we came back, I think we were down three. And I was just so happy when we finally came back. Once we secured the win, whether it was an empty net or a late, late goal, I just turned around, arms up, screaming at the crowd because they were chirping us all night. So it was pretty satisfying to get that win. That's what college hockey is all about right there. I mean, we've this has been great so far, but we got to hit the highlights here. I mean, national championship in Marlboro, kind of skipping ahead here. Like, I thought you guys, I thought you guys were on the ropes for a little bit. Like Indiana Tech tied that game up late in the second period. Third period, we go to overtime. The Indiana Tech fans are getting into it. I'm like, is Minot gonna lose to Indiana Tech right now? Like, what is the, what is the Davis? What does the locker room look like? The, the, those tiny hallways in Marlboro, Massachusetts. What is the locker room like? You've had a near perfect season. You guys have come back for a fifth year to win a title, and and now you're you're going to overtime. Yeah, it was actually really calm. And this is something that I could compare to our my freshman year when we won and to my senior, super senior year when we won. And it was the fact that when you finally got out of the rink, everybody was freaking out, going like, well, you guys must have been so nervous and all this. But for a minute, you could hear a pin drop in that dressing room. And then it wasn't even really any of the captains that started it off. We kind of just sat there and, and it was the, the guys that maybe haven't said much that day. It was, you know, everybody had something to say, but there was no negativity, nothing bad that was coming from anybody's mouth. And it was just like a collective group of guys that knew they had it kind of. And it, it carried it all the way through the entire tournament. People may not believe it, but th- there was no stress or no worry in that room at all. That excludes our goalie, Jake Anthony. Oh, is he just like pacing back and forth? Well, for one, he's the biggest wing nut of a goalie I've ever met in my life. Like, if you see him before a game, oh my God, you'll think he's schizophrenic or something. I don't know, but he's got a lot going on. But before the game, this is a Carter Barley story. He He's looking at Jake Anthony before the game, and he's doing his whatever freaky goalie shit ritual. And he does this thing where he holds his hand out, and he looks to see how much it's shaken. Bar says that he looks over at Jake, and this is before the finals, and he... He looks at him and he holds his hand up and it's just shaking. And he's like, oh God, we are in trouble. So, right. You, you survive overtime with Indiana Tech. And then right back there the next night, you go to overtime with Liberty, a team that you guys beat. Uh, geez, now I feel like we're ta- we've, we've talked decades of Minot State hockey at this point. But your junior year, you beat them in the semis to go to the national championship. Now you go to overtime with them again. That second day in a row, are you almost like, well, if we could, if we won last night in overtime, like you can, we we can win again tonight in overtime. Uh, we we were pretty confident once we came back that we had it. To be honest with you, uh, you can feel the momentum swing, and I mean, we were all over them in that third period. They were hanging on. If it wasn't for Verostic, the goalie there, I don't know if they would have even made it to overtime, but they did. He was playing a hell of a game. He must have made like sixty saves. And it's the same thing with that Virginia Tech game, right? Like he probably made 60 saves as well, 70 if not. Goalies were hot, but you got to find a way to win. And we learned that in that Ohio game years before. You win in overtime. Who got the goal in that game, by the way? I was I was driving back from Marlboro. So I, I when this game went to overtime, I was like, I kind of hope it keeps like, 
we get double, triple overtime so I can watch it when I get back home. But you guys ended up winning it. Who who tucked home the winner? I think it was Joey Moffat. Yeah, I think you're that that's I feel like I saw a tweet with that. So you basically get your dream matchup, right? Like who else but Adrian in the final? Like what I mean, you guys must have been licking your chops when you saw that on the schedule. I was hoping it didn't matter to me, but I wanted Ohio or I wanted Adrian. Either one was fine with me. In in my opinion, the confidence we had in that room is we weren't gonna lose. I will give it to Adrian. They they played a heck of a game and there was a video that came out. And it was like all the highlights and stuff. And there's a few times in that video where I was like, that puck for Adrian was so close to going in a couple of times. I don't know. It was kind of one of the harder hockey games I've played in my five years where it was just like back and forth, back and forth. And like nothing was really coming of it. But you knew sooner or later there was going to be one that found a way in. And you were just kind of hoping as you're grinding through it that it was it was your goal. Luckily, Josh Peterson decided to go bar down for the first time that year. Yeah, he, he had done the bar down drill enough times that he uh, it, it came time, puck on his stick in the national championship, and he roofed it. It all comes down to the bar down drill. If you've done it enough times, you know how to put it home. Very fitting. So you guys win it in Marlboro. Again, it looks like plenty of family were there. The job is complete. You look back on your careers. You, you bookend it. You get a national championship freshman year, a runner-up, and now you end it on a high note against – the, the team that you had lost to a couple of years ago in the final, that's got to be a really cool feeling. Davis, like you mentioned, like you weren't ready to be an adult yet. What was it like to end on a high note? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have drew it up any better to have your, your very last collegiate hockey game at that time. For me, it was my last hockey game because I didn't get the call for Romania until like two weeks before the, you know, there, I still remember a moment I was, and I think somebody captured a pic, picture of me and I was kind of just standing out near center of ice and I was looking at everybody and they were all lifting the trophy in front of the glass by the parents and the, the families and girlfriends and uh, Christian Cadolf, we call him Baba. He came over to me. I had to kind of duck behind him because I started to tear up just looking at looking at all the all the boys. And and I had done it before where I got to hoist that trophy. And to, so to see them do it and, and to get to do it with them in my final year, I couldn't have asked for it, a better way to finish off. Was it worth it, Drew, to have Davis nagging on you to take a fifth year? Yeah, dealing with all Davis's shit before I told him I was coming back was a lot. It was worth it, for sure. We all put a lot on the line coming back and went the best way we could have ever imagined. Davis, as you mentioned, at that point, you think it's your last career game for you of your hockey career. Drew, on the other hand, he knows he's he's got a, a flight book to Romania. Drew, walk us through, like, how you found out about the World Cup of University Hockey. When did you find out that you were going to make the roster and all that? I was battling a terrible hangover, and I had three missed calls from the coach. And I finally listened to the voicemail, and it's him asking me if I wanted to come play. And I had heard like talks about it before, but I'd never really considered that I was going to go. And I walked downstairs, told my dad, hey, the coach wants me to play. And he's like, yeah, well you should probably go. And then that's the first time that I really ever considered it. And what a call to receive. I mean, getting the call to play for your country, what a cool experience. What did you have to do to get named captain? I think coach sorted by oldest on the age, and that's the result he came up with. They they had a case race at Minot, and you won it, so they gave you the C. And Davis, what about you? So did somebody drop, like you weren't on the original roster. Did somebody get hurt or something and, and they gave you the call up? 
Yeah, I was actually in the semifinal. Brett Gammer got hurt against us in that game. He, he went down. I don't know what he, I think he tore his ACL maybe or did something to his knee. Week or a couple of weeks went by and I also woke up hungover. There was a text on my phone to uh, if I'd like to join the squad. So once again, straight panic mode, call your dad. And he said, absolutely. Love it. And so we've talked about like the, the rivalries that you guys have, like the Jamestown guys, the Adrian guys quite the dynamic when you got guys from the top programs in the ACHA all in one locker room. What drew, like what, what's, what was the room? Like, were you trying to break the ice early on and get some jokes going to, to make it a little less awkward? Yeah. So to start like before when we were playing Adrian, cause I knew I was on the team already. I was going into that game in the finals thinking I can't lose to these guys. Cause it's going to be embarrassing if we get out to team Canada and they start chirping, I'm going to have nothing to say cause they beat me. But honestly, the room, like that's what I was trying to say. I was chirping Adrian a bit earlier about that year in the finals, but all those guys were so good. I mean, the UNLV guys we've had rivalries with in the past, the Adrian guys, all that kind of stuff. Those guys were so good and everyone was, was awesome. We, we gelled really well. I mean, I wish we could have beat the U S but what can you do? And you guys get like openings. I mean, how, how long were you guys standing in your skates on that blue line for the opening ceremonies? Did you, the photo of you guys, you, you took the ice for warmups and then there's everybody on the ice. You guys must've been out there for 30 minutes. I wish you could have seen it. Honestly, there was a, a singer there. So every team's standing and it's like the big, the whole commish gives a talk. Every commish gives a talk from every league over there. And then this girl sings, we are the champions before the tournament even started. Like it made no sense at all. And we, we mentioned all the environments that you guys got to play in. I, I can't picture a better environment than representing your country and playing the host country in the first game. And I know it didn't go your guys' way, but Davis, like what was that like playing in Romania against Romania? It was a blast. I mean, we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't know. I mean, before this, I didn't really know Romania had hockey, to be honest with you. And now we're playing the Romanian team. And when we got out there, it was like, it was packed. Like you, you couldn't stand anywhere. You couldn't sit. They were all chanting. Like I kind of felt like I was at like a soccer game kind of. They, they were chanting and, and singing and, you know, had drums and instruments. And like, I think they had a band there. It was more than just a hockey game for them, for sure. I mean, it was cool. It was a lot of fun, but there was like no hatred from the fans. It was like if Canada scored, there were still people cheering. And if, if Romania scored, it was way louder. But like they definitely respected us as Canadians. And it, I mean, it was a blast. Yeah, the coolest thing for me was like everyone in Romania kind of took us. So after that first game, obviously they didn't want us to win. But after that, they took Team Canada like under their wing almost. Like all the kids... We're so excited. Like I had a kid DM me trying to trade me a hot dog for my hockey stick. And they were, we were playing sewer ball. And as soon as you'd get out, you'd get swarmed by like a hundred little kids trying to get whatever they had signed. We were signing like girls foreheads and stuff like that. So it was cool to see how much they loved Canada. And then in the finals, right beside us was the Americans getting no love. I mean, did you, were there any Minot guys on USA? Yeah, we had a couple. I was tripping them real hard. <laughs> Were you getting personal with them? Oh, yeah. I, I know them the best. It makes the most sense to get personal. At the end of the day, like the fact that both ACHA teams made it 
you guys got an awesome experience in Romania. Talk about being able to represent your country, Davis. I'll throw, I'll, you take it first. Like, what what's that like? Basically, go ending your hockey career in the Team Canada jersey. Something I never expected, that's for sure. And it's funny because now that I have it, it's like, well, at least I have a Canada jersey now to wear, like during the World Juniors, because I never had one before. And so, but there was always a kind of ongoing joke between Canada and the USA when we made it to the finals and it's like wow i guess we call we all could have just stayed in albany new york and played this hockey game i guess but it was a lot of fun and sucked losing you know your last hockey game at the same time you know you're so close with your teammates that are on usa that you're a little upset but you're also like really excited because you get to watch them do something great and yeah you wish it was you but to get to have that moment with you know drew who i've been with for five years and all these other players that i've played with over my over my five years to get to do that and finish there is, you know, it's pretty cool. Normally we like close the pod and it's like, what's your pitch for the team you play for? But I feel like you guys have a lot going on for you guys. So we don't need to turn this into a Minot state recruiting video. I'll leave you with one more question. Like Drew, like looking back on it, what is going to be, what was like one of your favorite things about, you know, school at Minot playing hockey at Minot, just your in your time at Minot state, what was one of your favorite things? My favorite thing the whole time is just the moments that I got to spend with the boys in the dressing room before practice. I mean, we had a lot of guys who would stay late and just sit in their gear after practice. I mean, we have some pretty weird practice times over there. I, I don't know. might have to talk to Waz to figure that out for next year, but that's not my problem. Just hanging out with the guys. I don't know. Those long road trips, me and Davis at the back, having a blast, whatever, talking the shit. That's, that's the best stuff you could ever ask for. Davis, what about you? Favorite thing from Minot that that you'll remember? I've been asked this question a few times and it doesn't get any easier, I don't think. Uh, you know, a lot happens in five years, but I just think it's, like Drew said, the, the bonds you create with the guys that you basically go to battle with every day and, and you don't go like with them, right? You battle them. Nobody can play us harder at Minot than we play each other in practice. That's just how we kind of go about it. Like Drew, Drew said, to be able to go out there and, and battle with those guys and then sit in the dressing room after and drink coffee in the shower. And like, we just don't leave the rink if we don't have to, if you don't have class, everybody hangs around. There's no outcasts. It's like, if you're on the team, you're part of the boys and that's the bottom line. I mean, it carries into the classroom. Lots of guys have classes together and it's, you walk around campus together. You basically go everywhere together. You become a brotherhood, which everybody says, right? When you're a team, you become a brotherhood, but especially for the guys I spent five years with, they're damn near family to me. I've, I've seen them more in the last five years and I've seen half my family. So definitely, definitely the boys. doesn't get any better than the time spent with the boys. Well, hey, I told you guys I would have you for an hour. I started late. That's my bad. We ran an hour and 20 on this thing. I appreciate both of you taking the time. Awesome job. Awesome stories. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This is an absolute pleasure. Finally got it done. Thanks for having us and thanks for doing everything for the ACHA. Thanks again to the boys from Minot State joining the show this weekend, giving an insight on their very, very memorable season. The Beavers heading back on top of the ACHA Mountain, winning the national championship in Marlboro. Speaking of the ACHA, I put out a little graphic earlier in the week with the ACHA logos over the years. There was the original one from 1991 to 2003. And then we had what they called the Slapshot logo from 2003 to 2016. And then 2016, moving to kind of a Top Gun style logo, as it's called, which I thought was really cool. I never heard it called that. And then you got the Top Gun logo 
with the circular one, which I messed up a little bit in the graphic. Those ones actually came out at the same time, but they have the circle one that they use on the ref patch and profile logos on social media. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. A lot of people didn't know that the, those used to be the ACHA logos. Cause I think a lot of people either played in the ACHA prior to 2016 when it was the guy taking the slap shot. Not many people around remember the original uh, logo, which would be a, a pretty cool retro logo. Collins, I w- I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, on the vintage Acha logos? The vintage logo is, is is awesome. I think I think it's great. I mean, nothing better than old time hockey. I saw on Instagram today somebody in our comment. I think he he said the Slapshot logo was the best, but he called the new one, the Top Gun one, Space Invaders, which I I, I kind of see. It looks a little bit like a Space Invader, but Top Gun is I think the most fitting name to it. I uh, I was talking with Paul Hebert, who's the president of the ACHA, because. Had a little bit of an error in the graphic and he corrected us on it. I mean, a modern version of that original logo with the ACHA and the stick, I think would look really cool. Somebody said this looks like the perfect logo for a Selly hockey hat, which nailed it right on the head here. But Fitz, I'm curious, which one do you think is the best? I like the Slapshot one. I don't, it kind of reminds me arcade style, like a, a NHL hits video game kind of thing. Um, yeah, that, like Slapshot Hockey. Was it was it was it on the Wii that was Wayne Gretzky's Slapshot Hockey? I I never played the Wii. That game was unmatched. That game was so yeah. good. You had the little hockey stick with the nunchuck. Oh my god, unreal! And you could play as a peewee outdoor. Oh my God, bring back that game. I might have to go buy a Wii now. I, I've been looking for some new video games. Fitz, are you an Xbox or a PlayStation guy? Xbox. Now, have you ever customized IU in NHL? I have not. I've had kids do it and send me like pictures or like videos like, dude, I just maxed you out. Like you're 99 on my team. I was like, all right, man, cool. I don't have like the the patience to sit there and go through that. It's kind of insane. I had a buddy who went through, we were just playing an exhibition game, like whatever, Hawks versus Wings. He said he had to customize every team to make it like the right rosters because we were playing like an old shell. He customized every single team before we played it. Like, dude, like we're not even using those teams. He's like, no, like I need to do this. I was like, all right, tell me when you're done. I'm going to go like take a nap. Collins, I can see you smiling. You definitely have Villanova on your Xbox. Oh, yeah, there's Villanova on my Xbox. I went through every single player I drafted, every single player I traded for. I would go in edit them and make sure they were wearing cages that's on now were you making the actual third jerseys or are you designing what you would like want the third jersey to look like are you using the nhl as a playground to design jerseys yeah so that's actually where i do all my jersey designs um i don't use photoshop no i no but seriously i um i based it on our uh on our current jerseys uh, I play around with the third jersey a bit because it's the logo and all that stuff. They they don't have the the vintage Wildcat. Obviously, it's trademarked. Here's a little teaser. I wish they they let us do do like a numbers on the front, a little football style jersey. I I think that could be uh could be cool. Yeah, and you should be able to put words on the front of the jerseys in shell too. Like right now, they just had the letters. I think you should be able to put words. But I I feel looking back on it, I feel like such a nerd. But the first thing I did when I came home freshman year Christmas break was customize Cuse. I customized URI too, so that Cuse could play URI in NHL. I didn't customize players, but I took the Syracuse Crunch roster and made it the Syracuse Orange roster, and then I took the Providence Bruins and made them the URI Rams. The home rink for Syracuse was the carrier dome i added like the all the fans wearing orange with the steel bleachers so i mean that entertained me for all of christmas break 
playing as Cuse. And then I don't know if I ever added any more teams. There's a chance I might have made Liberty because it was my freshman year. I definitely didn't do Stony Brook. I'm thinking, but that, what what a time. I feel like so many guys have gone. It's like the a rite of passage to go on the Xbox or PlayStation and customize your ACHA team in NHL. I forgot to mention, I made William Patterson for a TikTok after we lost in the semifinals after scoring a clutch goal with one second left to, you know, to send it. Like it was the off season. There was nothing to do. And I was like, all right, time to make a TikTok. No, no content, really. <laughs> you, you guys remember that sound with like the guy like heavy breathing into the mic like that was going viral for on TikTok for quite a while. So I did that and I like went in and set the time to like full, like full 60 minute game, maxed out all my guys, made William Patterson just absolute cheeks and then went in and was like, all right, I'm going to score like at minimum 100 goals for this TikTok. I sat there for like two and a half hours scoring like 150 goals for for a fucking TikTok. Was it worth it? It it did well, but no, not really. All that effort. Love it. Yeah. Let us send us photos too. send us a DM if, if you have ACHA or AAU college hockey teams in shell right now. I would love love to see him. Yeah, we, we already hammered out the question of the week. What ACHA logo do you like the best? AAU college hockey, not much of a logo history. They're still on logo one. I guess two, CHF to AAU. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Still waiting for a logo for next year's national tournament from AAU, so we'll keep an eye on that. Other than that, kind of a slow week. Let's see, what do we got planned for this weekend, Collins? What do you, what do you got for picking up pucks? For picking up pucks this week, I, I mentioned it in the group chat as somebody who's working in sports marketing right now for STX, who's working with a Nike partnered brand, who's going on a Nike shoot in late July. Air, the, the Air Jordan movie, so fucking good if you're into sports marketing. It is a masterclass. I said in the group chat, it is the sports marketing bro equivalent of the Wolf of Wall Street to all the finance bros. And it is a really good movie. This is going to sound really cringe, but I am going to get a poster of the 10 Nike principles that helped Rob Strasser, Phil Knight, Sonny Vaccaro take Nike to the next level. Just as a little bit of inspiration. But if you have any free time to kill this summer, which I'm I'm assuming a lot of you guys do, go watch it if you haven't already. It, it, is, it is so good. Very good movie. I, I enjoyed that. I, I like the movies, too, that that nail like the historical references like it felt like a movie that was made during that era, which was really cool. Like same thing with like Miracle, you know, like Remember the Titans, all those sports movies where they just kind of like get it very accurate to what it was like during that time period. I'm curious, Collins, I, I'm busy this weekend, so I don't know if I'm going to make it to the theaters. Have you seen for Oppenheimer and Barbie, like which one, if you're going to watch both on Friday, which one do you see first? You got to see Barbie first. So the play is go around noon, pregame Barbie, go watch Barbie, go to the bar, get plastered, then watch Oppenheimer. That's what I've heard has been the play. I've also heard watch Oppenheimer for the comedy and then watch Barbie for the dark storytelling. Fitzy's losing his mind over here, just processed. Yeah, I don't know. Fitzy, you got any any takes on this? If, if you're going to see, if you're going to the theaters on Friday and you're going to watch two movies, double feature, which one you see in first? I think Collins is right. You're going Barbie first. If you're going to watch Barbie after you just watch Oppenheimer, it's going to be like, it's just you're you're not going to be in like a state of mind to be able to do that. It's just not they're way too. You got to go like happy to 
sad kind of thing. You can't go really like sad to happy. I don't, I don't know. It, you think Oppenheimer's just ruining your day after that? There's no functioning until you, you go to bed. I think it's like it's a it's gonna be a sick movie, but then like you realize at the end like like holy shit like a bunch of people died like that's like always dawning over you like I don't know and then to go just watch Barbie and be like ha ha it's hilarious it's like that that's tough. From what I've heard from the pre screens, this movie is so fucked up, and I mean as it should be, it's about the the worst weapon humanity has ever created. But I will say I am highly contemplating. As a little bit of a, a film buff and camera guy, I'm really thinking about driving up to King of Prussia to go see it in a genuine IMAX theater, considering that it was shot on real 70 millimeter IMAX film, like a lot of Christopher Nolan movies are. I've heard that is that's the best way to see it. I don't know if I'm if I'm gonna make that that two hour drive. Maybe crash it at the hockey house because it's only 15 minutes from King of Prussia. But that movie is gonna be fucking insane, and it's gonna probably make me question a lot of things fitzy you got any any plans for this weekend what do you what's on the docket well i was gonna say quick king of prussia that reminded me the newest winner of ice wars ryan divine i've I've played against him that just made me think of that really quick um my picking of pucks this week i wanted to give it a shout out to you guys i've said it before on the pod you guys do a hell of a amazing job you do all this stuff carry the boats I don't know why you keep me around. I literally just show up and talk a few times. Shout out to you guys. Without you guys, it's this this whole thing doesn't work. So, well, we weren't good enough to play pro hockey, so we had to find a way somehow. So, I, I appreciate I appreciate the kind words, Fitzy. I think you might have been Murph. I mean, you never gave your you never tried, so you can't say yeah, you weren't good enough. That's true. I would have loved the content for me playing in the Fed would have been great. It just it would have been maybe still, someday. Still yeah, time, there's still yeah, time. Yeah. There's still time if the if the Binghamton GM is checking in. What about that? I mean, you had that your shot in that that semi pro league that was planning on relocating to Florida. Yeah, the semi pro league or, or that the league with all the mountain resort teams like the Vale Yeti. Yeah, yeah. I still got to return their call. So something to think about. What do I got for picking up pucks? I got a grad party this week. Staying with the Barone family, Vin Barone. One of my best friends from college. It's gonna be his grad party. The boys will be back in town. Just looking to get after it. Have a good weekend. I've met Vinny one time, and like I feel like I've known him my whole life. Like the kid's the man. Oh, his family's the same way. Nothing but great hospitality for them, and it's it's that same crew coming down for, to Staten Island for the weekend for the party. So it'll be a good one. I forget that. Well, again, we we talked about it a couple of episodes ago. One of my favorite hockey house memories is that trip to Binghamton. So we'll leave you with that. As always, follow along at hockey house pod twitter instagram linkedin threads youtube we're on youtube now we're 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 building up the page stay tuned but we got some youtube shorts out there so follow along as well i feel like i definitely missed some social platform but thank you to herm behind the scenes he's grinding this one out editing this pod playing through so we will see you guys next week thanks for listening see you boys